for our sponsor, Dog Overboard Adamstown, the fun and healthy place for dogs. Pet Chat on your pet-friendly radio station, 2NURFM 103.7. Yeah, the week's come around very quickly. It's great to have these fine young gentlemen in the studio for Pet Chat. Firstly, Daniel Carrington, good morning. Hey, good afternoon. Yeah, I got that wrong. (laughs) Uh, uh, How are you? I'm fantastic. Lovely to see you and do the show with you. Uh, We haven't done this for a little while, have we? I think between us all we might get something right. Uh, What are you going to be talking about a little later this morning? Afternoon, that's twice now. (laughs) That's because you're doing the morning shift, isn't it? I know. I do that one more and I have to leave. They just take me straight out of the building. What what have you got for us shortly? Uh, Look, um, there has been a move in terms of dog and cat nutrition to grain-free diets. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what are the advantages of a grain-free diet, what is a grain-free diet, and why is it a good choice to possibly feed your dog or cat a grain-free diet? Diet. We will investigate that mm-hmm. very shortly. And Dr. Bob, you're back in the chair as well. Good afternoon. How are you? Look, what have you got for us today? A bit of uh, pet parenting? Yeah, pet parenting principles, very similar to um, people parenting. It's just they've got four legs. Well, really. for, my, for most people, they would rather parent a, a pet than they would a person anyway, if you know what. Very true. <laughs> I think I'm in trouble already for saying that. Maybe. You'll well, be fine. And good afternoon to uh, Peter at Warners Bay. You've got a little dog with some tear straining. We've got you on with Dr. Bob. Uh, thanks, Dr. Bob. That's my name, Peter. How are you going, Peter? How can we help you? What sort of a dog is it? Well, he's a little cross shit to Lahaza Apsa, if I'm pronouncing that right. Yep. Um, and what I want to know is we've been buying a product called Angel Eyes for probably three or four years now, and it's multiple reasons that um, staining of the tears down the inside corner of the eye goes down along the nose can be just that the eyes being a, a shih tzu cross they pop out a bit so the third eyelid that comes across from the middle of the eye doesn't actually cover and clean the eye like it should do like a windscreen wiper sometimes like there's that. the little glands produce too many tears sometimes there's not enough drainage so there's actually little uh, puncty little holes in the top eyelid and the lower eyelid towards the middle um, of the eye, middle um, towards the nose, I mean, of the eye, and that helps to drain away the tears. Sometimes it's also just a general immunological um, situation where the animal is not healthy or it's undergoing a bit of stress or it's not happy or... So there's a number of different things. So there's lots of different products on the market. The most important thing is to clean that um, the eye, just warm water, no salt, just warm water, clean the eyes twice a day to help it to get the gunk out and also to, to keep it as clean as you can. There's lots of products putting in the eye and food-based things, but nothing's perfect. Look at the whole health as well. So, yeah, at $76 a jar, I might not be... Um, yeah, doing that. Peter, um, Peter, if I could, I'll just add something else to that. Um, I've spoken the benefits of feeding a, a raw dog food diet, and there's the local one that's Summerford Raw and Natural. And some customers who are on this diet have reported to me 
that they've had dogs with tear staining and it stopped the problem. Um, so that could also be something you can look at. And uh, what we might do is might get you to hold and um, I can get you details and I'd, I'd like to give you a few free packs to try and just see what happens. Because if, if, that, if that helps, um, you wouldn't have to buy any other product, just making sure you just fed a raw diet to the dog. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. I much appreciate that because he's, um, he's, a, he's a happy, healthy, spoiled uh, little brat of a dog. Mm. And um, so, I, yeah, if, if we can change his diet and clear it up, then he'd be even more healthy, which would be great. Yeah, a lot of um, issues like bulldogs have similar kind of issues, and I know like, lots of reports. It's like they can't believe after so, uh, a few weeks that that tear staining just stops. But it, it, well, as Doctor Bob says, it depends what's causing it. So it may help. Sure. Hopefully, hopefully, it will. Well, some great advice there. Free, free uh, samples for everybody. Free samples. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm feeling good today. Let's give it all away. <laughs> I kind of wish I had a dog now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. And uh, Danny, you've got your very special guest joining us at the moment. Of course, it's Jade Grocott. It is. Thank you very much, Mark. Look, recently, over the last uh, few years, in the pet industry, there's been a significant move to more natural diets for our dogs and cats in terms of a grain-free diet. Many people might not know that lots of dog food, actually, lots of different brands of dog food, has loads of grains, cereals in it that make it up and that's where the protein is sourced from. A bit like a cheap pie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, But is this really good for our dogs or cats or not? So Jade is from Taste of the Wild here in Australia, and, and he will talk to us about nutrition, grain-free nutrition for our dogs. Thank you for joining us, Jade. Um, good afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on the show. Look, just as I said, there's been a, a big move in the pet industry uh, by dog and cat owners to move to grain-free pet food. But what goes into making a dry dog food that is grain-free? Look, Danny, there's a, a couple of main components that, um, or a couple of important components that anybody should look at when they're considering um, a grain-free diet. And the first one, obviously, is a good quality animal protein. Uh, the second one should be a good quality animal fat. Um, and uh, starch components can be made up of things like sweet potatoes, peas, vegetables, things of that nature that actually hold the food together. So that would be some of the key things that uh, people should be looking for. So um, we're talking about, yeah, as you said, meat, animal proteins and fats and then some vegetable made up for f fibre and carbohydrate, I'm guessing. That's, that's correct, Annie, yes. Yep, why, why would a dog or a cat owner consider a grain-free pet food? Look, um, I think a grain-free pet food, when compared to a lot of other products on the market that aren't grain-free, um, a grain-free product is typically closer to the ancestral diet or closer to a diet that a dog would be eating in its natural environment, which would be primarily animal proteins and animal fats. So all those components are delivered in a good quality grain-free food. Okay. So, yeah, that makes sense. And I guess when you, yeah. thi when you think about it, uh, with the evolution of the, of the dog, dog and the cat over thousands of years, that's what they've mm -hmm. been eating, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, all the evidence um, points to that. So, um, yeah, what we try to do with our grain-free diets is, um, you know, given the, the limitations of the dried food, we, we try to replicate what they would eat in their natural environment. So that's where we, we come up with these ingredients like the good quality animal proteins and fats and, um, and the starch components, yeah. Bearing those ingredients in mind for a grain-free diet, what about when a dog or a cat 
food is not grain-free, what ingredients is it made from? Where does the majority of the protein uh, come from in these foods that are not grain-free? Um, typically, when you're looking at those sorts of foods, Danny, the, the protein tends to be derived from things like uh, rice, um, corn, wheat, uh, soy, grain fractions, things of that nature. So um, whilst they are delivering proteins, um, they're not a complete protein or a pro- uh, of the same quality of protein that's delivered from, from fresh meat, as an example. So, yeah. Um, I know in, in, in our industry, uh, with these kind of ingredients, there seems to be more and more allergies coming mm-hmm. through uh, on dogs and cats that are allergic to grains um, mm-hmm. in, in that regard. Um, mm-hmm. but, but even if your dog or cat has no allergies, why mm-hmm. would it be wise to still feed a grain-free diet? Um, allergies or not, um, dogs can still benefit from a, um, a grain-free diet because it has all those ind- indicators that we spoke of before, Danny. It's, it's higher in um, good quality proteins. It's higher in good quality fats. It's closer, getting closer to that ancestral diet that we talked about before. So whether they have an, an allergy or not to grains, dogs can benefit from feeding a grain-free diet. Yeah, so it's, yep. it's all, all really interesting information. And I know also, like, um, in terms of benefits, is prolonged mm-hmm. life as well, isn't there? Like, what are some of the benefits that an owner of a dog or a cat can look mm-hmm. or, or receive by feeding their dog or cat a grain-free diet? Yeah, there's a whole spectrum of um, things that people, um, uh, that dogs can benefit from feeding a grain-free diet. So um, by having the higher um, animal meat contents, we are um, naturally occurring higher amounts of, ome- of uh, omega-3s and 6s, so um, owners can expect to see a better quality skin and coat conditioning. Um, we can see... Um, in some instances, behavioural issues can be um, improved from feeding a grain-free diet. So there's a, there's a, a, a broader spectrum of, of benefits that people can expect from feeding those grain-free diets. Look, um, Jade, thank you very much for that. That's uh, really good information, something for people mm-hmm. to Google and have a look at and certainly you can Google Taste of the Wild Pet Food and, yeah, get some information in terms of the benefits of a grain-free diet. I'm glad to be of assistance. Thank you. Thanks for your time, guys. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah, thank you for joining us, Jade. I'll tell you what, Danny, it, it really sounds all, almost like something we'd like, almost like to eat for ourselves, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it is. I mean, the human diet should be, mm. you know, protein-focused and vegetable vegetable and fruit-focused too, shouldn't it, and reduce the amount of cereals. So, yeah, because our, our digestive system, while well, can take cereals a bit better than dogs' digestive system and cats, but we still should focus on protein and veggies and good afternoon dave sitting at macquarie hills you've got a tick problem with your cat we've got dr bob for you thank you how can we help you dave good afternoon bob yeah just a quick question about the cat um can a domestic cat build up immunity to ticks they can to the local ticks if they're outside they get um early um, adult ticks on them they liquid chew them off Um, they can develop an immunity to some of the tick toxins there's actually 12 major tick toxins and another 30 or 40 other minor ones of course there is and so when when you're looking at trying to um, develop an anti um, venine for it it is yeah very very tricky and they've got a um, you give the major ones that you can, you know, isolate yep. and, and it's easy to do. But ticks can, and dogs can develop a local um, tolerance. But yep. if they go into a different suburb and are faced with different ticks, 
they may succumb to them. So the the best way to stop cats um, getting ticks on them is to keep them inside. Personally, I think they doubles their lifespan if they're inside. They're not getting hit by car or into cat fights or, or falling into misadventure. Ticks, snakes coming up as well. But you can use preventatives when they're outside um, and various things you can put on yep. or they can take that you have to give more regularly than flea prevention. Yep. But still, the, the big thing about ticks is that you go over your animal every single day mm-hmm. from the tip of its nose to the tip of its tail to the tip of its yep. toes. Pull any ticks out that you find, yep. and that way you've got the best chance of it not succumbing to tick paralysis. The reason I asked, Bob, because uh, a couple of years ago when he first got him, he, um, he got a tick, and it was a pretty close call. He was down the vets for yep. a few days, and the last few days I've got one off him every day. Yep. And it doesn't seem to have bothered him at all. He's wandering around and still running up trees and carrying on, so I'm just wondering whether he has developed it. When we put that, are you allowed to mention brand names? Not really, but yeah. Okay, you know the stuff I'm talking about that was in yep. the paper on Friday? Yeah. It cost yeah. 90 bucks, and we put that on him. And I've still got two off him since then. Yeah, but so it, it's taking them straight off. The signs to look out for are wobbly back legs. Yep. Cats yep. will often sit because um, mm-hmm. they don't like feeling unbalanced, so they'll sit yep. down more, they'll stay um, close to home more often, sit at the back door or stay inside. A yep. bit of a <coughs> sort of a Yeah, gag. He, gets a, he had a cough that first time, yep. Yeah, a bit of a bit of a cough and gag sort yep. of reflex doesn't yep. work quite as well, and that's the saliva going down into the lungs rather than the stomach as it should ah, do. Right and on. so yeah. it's watching really closely. Each time you give the tick antivenin, antitoxin, it can actually be a, a fatal reaction to that. We don't see it very often, but there is a risk, and it right. certainly can be deadly with uh, tick paralysis. So pull them off as soon as you find them, but there can be a developer development of. Um, tolerance and um yeah resistance to the ticks but it's yeah better to keep him inside so he's away from all that yeah good luck with that yeah the problem with keeping them inside is the usual story of when they're outside so much environmental enrichment inside not as much so they go around knocking things off the the windowsills to tell you that they're not happy chewing and scratching and clawing and and weeing about spots and letting you know they're unhappy in various other ways Dave having to go through that every day would sort of tick you off wouldn't it a bit a bit yeah (laughs) okay fellas thank you thanks Dave Bye-bye. I like that scientific uh, summation you've got there, Dr. Bob, of uh, keeping the cat inside is going to double its lifespan. So does the, the sort of keeping the cat inside, it's, is that going to give it 18 lives now? Yeah, something no. something like that. No. But, yeah, by the time they get through a few, you know, falling in the toilet and, yeah. and falling between the... And they walk along the top of door frames. Yeah. Falling and in the toilet. There's <laughs> actually those special toilet seats for cats now. You know yes, that, I you? know. You can train you know, them. You can train them to use the toilet. There you go. I've learned learned a couple of things today. It's like parenting. It's a a very special bonding time when toilet training children and animals. Dr. Bob, uh, pet parenting, which is kind of where we started with our last caller, um, what are some of those pet parenting principles you would like to uh, point us to this afternoon? What I'll just um, touch on, Dave, is that with... uh, Not Dave, Mark. Dave with the tick before with the cats... Ticks actually go towards the head and neck, so that's the place to focus on when you're looking for them to pull them out, but they can be anywhere on the animal. The other main thing is after the bit of rain that we've had, that's when it flares up. So it actually they go through larval and um, various stages of development until they reach the adult that's toxic. So you've got to be very careful, but pull any ones out that you find. So pet parenting principles. 
The most important thing is learning to understand your animal as it is with children. So when you're actually knowing what they're like, knowing their character, their personality. So when you, each animal, and, and Daniel, you'd be the same, you know, all of your Weimaranas would have just fascinatingly different personalities. That's true. And, yes, and, even though they're the same breed. And, and yes. look at us three gentlemen in this room, you know, very different personalities. <laughs> Wonderful, of course, but... Of course they are. Of and, course so they are. With, and I'm the best at salsa. So... so <laughs> So with, with animals, look at the personalities, see what the, they're like. You can actually get workplace psychopaths in animals. You can get very good an, um, animals that are great in the office and the, uh, the other um, social environments that they love. But look at that personality, see what they're like. And then we have to set, I, I guess the three main big ones are reasonable boundaries. So if it is um, waking up in the middle of the night, then you close the door to the bedroom. You know, it's pretty simple. Um, reasonable boundaries are that you have your time, you have your time with the animal, and that you have time on your own. So it's, it's making sure that reasonable boundaries are there uh, and leadership guidelines. I, ha I talked about rules when I first started doing this, working with behaviour, and some people didn't like rules. And I should have thought straight after that, hey, that's a rule, not having rules. But anyway, reasonable boundaries, much better. Leadership guidelines. So it's using mutual respect. So they're the big three. So it's understanding what the animal's like, not trying to teach it something different that it doesn't do. If you've got a beagle, you know it's going to follow its nose. So, so don't try and um, make it an agility dog, which it might be okay at, but following its nose is the best thing. And so you give it little uh, spots around the house, you put little bits of food there, you rub a bit of uh, peanut butter on a toy, put it in a different room underneath something with a towel over it and in a box. And, and it's giving them that enrichment, understanding their personality, using that to help them and not working against it. So if you've got a problem behaviour, you're interrupting that problem, you're redirecting it to something else, and then you're reassuring the animal, as you would to a child. You're not letting them get away with something that's silly, but you're saying, that's not good, this is what I'd like you to do, but it's okay, I still love you. I guess as well, Dr. Bob, as with people or children, if you will, they'll try and push your boundaries a little bit. All the time. So it's really a case of reinforcing, you know, where, the, where you have to stop that bad behaviour and move on, isn't it? It is, and, and, and they will always be testing it. It's the dog that lies on the, on the lino with its tail on the carpet. And then it's got one back leg as well. And, and then, then, then it sort of shuffles along a little bit. And, and they're always, you know, is that still the boundary? just like children they're always testing children and animals love reasonable boundaries because they know where they're at um, in children they say they're more intelligent if they've got an organized house live in an organized house because everything has its place and so they've got a, a a background okay that's there that's there but they don't have to get too worried about where things might be so it's the same with animals if they get fed at the usual time if they go for a walk for a routine in a routine time then it helps them to have satisfaction and a little bit of yeah peace if you like so how, how do a lot of people that come and see you about this sort of stuff go if they've had a pet that's been a little bit out of control without the rules without the boundaries yeah. this information then gets put on them the light bulb goes off in the brain and then they've got to try and sort of correct all this is that harder than if you start as a little puppy or kitten much better to start as a puppy or kitten than the same with children if you set them in a reasonable way hopefully they'll be okay and make reasonable decisions so but it can you can teach an old dog new tricks and with the um with the yeah, it's 
sorry, it's just so fascinating. I love it. <laughs> so get in nice and young if you can, but it's never too late. Never too late. Just set those reasonable boundaries. And people say to me, oh, look, I've had three or four of the dogs. This one is just different. It's, as a, as a good friend says, um, their son was travelling on a different bus. And, and, and I love that expression because you just get animals that are just, no, just, as I said, pushing the boundaries, just ticking you off all the time. So you have to be happy with what you're doing and consolidate that. And some people say, you know, I ring up and, and say, how's it going? And they say, oh, you know, you don't really need to come back for a recheck. It's all fixed, really. And, and then they say, oh, the kids are doing really well, too. <laughs> so it is very... And even some husbands can be trained, I've found. Not so, often, but it's... Yeah, so they it's, say. So they say. So you, you're, you're reporting this knowledge that's been worked on you, Harry, over the years, That's you? right, yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife's a teacher, so she's taught me everything I know. Good afternoon, Bill. You're a greeter. Your Kelpie has got a fixation with a rock in the backyard. Please tell us more. Yeah, she's a five-year-old female, or she'll be five in December. Got a bit of a rocky outcrop outcrop in the backyard and uh, she just stands there and stares at it and, and barks and um, and she's been doing it we've been there for two and a half years she's been doing it for the, the two and a half years that we lived there, I'm just wondering if it's something unusual or... Uh, Bill, uh, Kelpies are working dogs so they need to run 40 kilometres a day at least to sort of burn off a bit of energy the, the other problem they have is that they're very intelligent so um, there may be some lizards or some little creatures in there that she's really focused on, or she might have flipped over the edge and be a bit obsessive. So the rock actually might be a, a source of what she thinks is unusual um, activity, uh, even though it's just sitting there, but she has to keep an eye on it. So working dogs, if you like, just think of um, Babe and um, keeping an eye on the sheep and, and giving them the, the yeah, the... the the call it collie eye if you like watching and keeping that rock still for you it thinks it's doing a good job um if she's been doing it two and a half years it's certainly something that's getting it a bit more fixed in the behavior but you need to see what may be causing it there are other things that kelpies can do chasing their tail running up and down fences barking um they can yeah it becomes a bit of a marijuana high if you like they keep barking and that gives them a bit of a hit and they really enjoy it so there's no medical problems that she's got, Bill? No, she, she has all the above except for chasing her tail. Yep. Loves the fences. Um, I, and there's nothing under the rock because there are other dogs, the cattle dogs, okay. that can find a lizard at, you know, at half a kilometre. So uh, okay. it's, she, just, she just gets in this trance and, and yeah. looks at the rock and barks. And just recently she started 5.30 in the morning, um, non-stop. Yeah. So really important that we give her some environmental enrichment, give her other things to focus on, some um, leadership guidelines, ask her to come away and give her something better to do. Because it's like an obsessive behaviour that she does, it needs to be a very good reward that she gets. So a bit of a walk. Don't let her practice the problem behaviour if you can. Interrupt, redirect it to something else. Come, sit, stay, fetch a ball. If the cattle dog is a bit of a hunter, she may be, you know sourcing his next um, meal, if you like, so sort of telling him okay. something's there, but it's it's actually all in her mind, so um, there's a number of different things, but 
I would get her checked out from um, medically to make sure that her her everything else looks okay. But it sounds like she needs to yeah be redirected to something that's more effective and also something that doesn't wake you up early in the morning. So um, watch and just keep a diary of when she does it and how long she goes for and what might trigger it. Um, is it that you get the food out? So there'll be all these other things that the more you look, the more you'll find. Hopefully, the more you'll understand. Then you'll be able to deal with it a bit better. Okay, I'll give it a try because it's really uh, it's quite an amazing, amazing behavioural pattern. You know, yeah. She's even got a bit of a groove worn where she'll oh, sit there right. and, and, yeah, go back and forth towards the rock. And yeah. I guess make sure it doesn't go anywhere. That's right, and, and it's working. <laughs> that, that, that she may actually need some anti-anxiety medication to help to give you a better chance of actually um, settling her behaviour. But see how that goes, and, yeah, let us know. Thanks, Bill. Thank you very much, Bill. Heading to Kerry Bay. And, Lee, you've got a miniature poodle that it looks like is, is suffering from uh, separation anxiety. Good afternoon, Lee. And, Lee, you're on the air Hello. with uh, the Pet Chat Gang. How are you going, Hello Lee? Hello there. So good, how old good. is the dog? The dog's nine. Yep. And how long has it been worried for? Um, a long time because I've just recently adopted it because its previous owner um, had to uh, rehouse it because she was working. Yep. And the dog needs someone 24-7. Ah, okay, yeah. So the more intense they get, little poodles, very intense personalities... Being rehomed is certainly a very stressful thing. Mm. Liken it to um, my mum's um, had to move out of her family home of 60 years and yeah. heading for a nursing home but currently staying with my sister. So it is very dis disorientating going to a new place. The mm. older they are, mm. the harder it is. The most important... Well, before I had him, uh, he had suffered separation anxiety. Yeah. So... And that's usually the reason why they're rehomed. So a lot of rescue mm. animals... Mm. I know at the RSPCA there's a, a, a high percentage of animals that are that we rehome that are already stressed. Yeah. Sometimes they they land on their feet and it's all good. Sometimes it, it yeah. just doesn't fit and they don't don't cope. So the important things about separation anxiety are to give them things to keep their brain and their body busy. So okay. mental and physical activity. So giving mm -hmm. them little training, sit, stay, drop, fetch, yeah. um, retrieve, he, he hide, does that. He hide does and that. seek. Um, yep. particular toys sometimes like a security blanket yep. so a particular mm -hmm. toy soft toy usually that retains the familiar family aroma the more you yep. play with that with your hands the more that well, familiar... I've had him I take him in my car yep. and I can't even go in and pay for petrol yep. um, and he gets upset yeah, and, and they do, that's just that hyper-attachment. They get over-attached mm -hmm. to, to people and they just can't cope. So it may mm -hmm. be that you need to go down the track of anti-anxiety medication uh, as well okay. to try okay. and help to just take the edge off things. It does not mm. cure it. Same as depression no. in people. Once you've had depression that's or anxiety, you're more likely yep. to have that again yep. later in life. The medication is just a part of the treatment process. So very important to use up that physical exercise and really little poodles like that, like the Kelpie we were talking about before, can actually do a whole lot of stuff. So you need to run him round a bit, not just sitting still, but he needs to have a, a secure, uh, a den-like area, a comfort zone. So rub, a t rub your hands and feet on a towel, put that in like a little igloo, material igloo that helps him to feel comfortable. The music that you like that helps you to relax, be relaxed helps him to be relaxed. 
So whenever you um, leave the car, for example, at petrol station, put the radio on, of course, on your favourite radio station and, and the music that you like, and that helps you to be calm and the same as when you're leaving, um, even for a moment to go to the post box, it's, it's, it's okay, stay here for a moment, here's your favourite toy, here's something to munch on or chew on, I'll be back in a moment, calm, controlled teacher voice that helps him to feel comfortable and relaxed and you have to try and also just dial down your emotions about, he's going to get panic, he's going to worry, he's going to jump up and down, he's going to eat the car seat and you have to sort of think in a happy voice or a calm voice helping your body and um, your voice to be in a reasonable state so it helps him to be more relaxed. But it does take a long time. Don't run out and get another animal to help him. That will triple your problems. Well, we don't want to do that. No. We don't help. want to do that. Thanks for those calls today. Thanks, uh, We did not get time for Rod, but uh, maybe next week on Pet Chat. Now, Danny, the tribe has spoken, and we've decided that you are going to take care of our Dog of the Week from Dog Rescue Newcastle. I'd love to, Mark. Look, Dog of the Week this week is a wolfhound cross male. His name's Buddy, seven years old. Now, usually wolfhounds are quite large dogs. Because he's a cross, though, Buddy is large, but not overly large. He's not a giant just the right dog. amount of large, yes. <laughs> Just the right amount of large, yep. He's a calm and well-behaved dog. He knows his basic commands. He um, walks well on a lead. He also loves car rides. Um, he's a dog that would go well with a family who already has another dog because he's used to being in a home with another dog. He lived with his mum for his life, during his life. Also, it's a family who likes uh, lots of activity and would be able to take the dog out with them because he loves his outings. So, um, yeah, Buddy's looking for a new home and if you think he would fit right into your family, dogrescuenewcastle.com.au is where you need to find him. Uh, phone number is also Lauren on 0431 551 Of course, we've got him on the 2 and RFM website as well. Have a look at him. He's a very, very cute dog, and by all accounts, because of the breed as well, very nice and easygoing. Some great advice there for today, and of course, check out Buddy at 2 That's it, guys. Thank you, Dr. Bob, for coming in. Thank you. And also Danny Carrington Thank as well. Thank you, Mark. Alrighty, Pet Chat back again on the radio next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2 and at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.